0: to be a meeting here Saturday, you tell me, and I'll come, and if it's just you and I, we'll do something, and then on Sunday as well, and then next week, Monday to Friday at 7.30 as well, and if you tend to forget your Bible to meetings, which is often looked down upon, you're you're in luck, because I'm going to speak on one chapter for the whole two weeks, and I actually printed it on a little flyer that you got when you walked in, so I know we often encourage people to bring your Bibles, which you should, but if you forget it, it's all printed there. Each night, I'll speak on a different verse, uh, and I'll go through the chapter. And so before we open up and read the chapter tonight, we'll ask for God's blessing on the meeting, and we'll pray. Our Father, we give thanks for bringing us all together here tonight. Thank you for the holiday weekend that is now past, uh, and for some rest, and also for a reminder of what things cost, especially what freedom costs in the country that we live in, and so we think it's only appropriate that tonight we would also, once again, be able to reflect on what salvation costs. And as we've been singing, we know that salvation was for us, but its price was your son. And so we're thankful for the death of your son, Jesus Christ, and for salvation that is offered to anyone everyone and anywhere, and we're thankful, Lord, that tonight as we preach the gospel, we know that you are able to reach and to save sinners of all ages, and so we pray that tonight that your word would go out and do what you said it would do, and that is to save individuals. So we thank you for this time tonight, we ask that you would bless it to us, we ask it in your son's name, the Lord Jesus. Amen. So... We're going to speak on, uh, tonight, as in every night, this chapter of Isaiah 53. Um, uh, I forgot to ask uh, two of the girls that we brought up tonight if they had memorized Isaiah 53, but uh, we don't often give out prizes in gospel meetings, but if you can memorize Isaiah 53, we have something significant for you. Um, Not a long chapter, there's only uh, 12 verses in it, and uh, tonight I'm actually going to speak on verse number one, you might say... Why would you speak on Isaiah 53? Why pick that chapter? Why not another chapter? Well, it's a good question to ask. One of the answers for that is because I was saved through Isaiah 53. I, my salvation had happened on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving in 1998, a long time ago. But I got saved. I was, I was not going to heaven. On a Tuesday morning, and before I went to bed on Tuesday night, I was. My sins were forgiven. You'd say, how did you find that out? Well, I found it out through one of the verses in Isaiah 53. And I would say to you, there's probably other people in this meeting, people don't like to raise their hands in meetings. So I won't make you do it, who have also gotten saved through Isaiah 53. I, I found out that there's so many people. Actually, my brother got saved through Isaiah 53. And I know another preacher and his brother got saved through Isaiah 53. And I would say this, more people have gotten saved through this chapter than any other chapter in the entire Bible, with maybe the exception of John chapter 3. John chapter 3 has those great verses in it about he must be born again, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But the chapter that we're going to read tonight... Say, so if you want to be saved, that's something that you want. When you come in through those doors tonight, if you said, I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to know I'm going to heaven and I want to be absolutely sure. Then that's great because we're going to read a chapter tonight that has been the confidence. It has been so many people's assurance that what God says is true and what God says about His Son is true. You can be saved and you can know it through these words. And so we're going to read them tonight. If you want to open to them, or if you want to flip in the pamphlet to the third, the inset page, we're going to read, we'll read the whole chapter on tonight's first meeting. And then tonight I'm just going to speak from verse 1. So we'll start Isaiah 53 in verse 1. Actually, tonight I'm going to refer back to some verses prior to it. And actually, if you didn't know this, the, first, the, the last three verses of the previous chapter are, are part of Isaiah 53, although uh, sometimes we don't know that, but, but they are part of it. And I, um, I'm going to talk about those verses tonight because that has a lot to do with verse 1. So we'll read those two. Verse 13 says this. This is God speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says this. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Verse one, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days in the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. That's all. You say, that's all we're going to read, so a lot of reading tonight. Maybe tonight will be the only night we we'll read the whole chapter. And just thinking about that first verse, and that's the verse that we want to speak on tonight, and it says this, Who has believed our report? And to whom? Then it uses this, this, this figure. Who is the arm of the Lord? Real? That really means when you think of someone's arms, maybe you're not like me. When I think of someone's arms, I think of how strong they are. You ever see someone with skinny arms? You're like, I could take that. I could probably beat them up. And then you see someone with giant arms, and you say, you kind of stay away, right? You keep your distance. You're never going to question them. Well, that's what the verse is asking us. It says, who's really believed this report, and who has seen God's strength? Because that's what the the chapter opens up here. The report has just come. Those verses that I read that that sometimes are not included, there's there's the report, and I want to talk about that tonight, but, but I like this. The verse starts tonight with who? And it asks a question, and it says, who's believed this? Who's believed the Bible? If I ask the audience, if I ask the audience, well, anybody here who's believed the Bible, you say, stand up. And, and, and,
1: and I bet you a lot of people here would stand up,
0: and they'd say, I, I believe the Bible. Why? Why believe the Bible? Why, why, why even look at this and say, is there anything here worth believing? Because actually, we're going to speak on some things tonight. You'd say... That's very difficult to believe. Very difficult to believe. Well, we believe the Bible from the first page until the last page, because this is what God has said. God who cannot lie, not one lie in all the Bible, and so we can believe Him. And not only that, when you read this chapter, here's one of the great reasons why we believe the Bible. You hear that chapter, and every mind here, as I read through those 12 verses, you said, that's talking about Jesus. That's talking about Jesus Christ. No doubt. When it says those verses, you can imagine the cross. You can imagine the tomb. You can see the empty tomb. You see all this pictures, all these pictures come into your mind. And yet, what we have read tonight, it happened 700 years before Lord Jesus was ever here. An amazing thing. It's, it's almost as though the writer was standing underneath the cross and was taking down notes. And yet here it was, so many years before. But the, this says, who has believed? Who? So it's open to anyone. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. But you know what's better than that? You say, nothing's better than being saved. Yeah, there is something better than being saved. What do we sing? We sing, it's a grand thing to be saved and to know it. To know it. You know, sometimes we have things we're just not sure. We're just not confident. You we say, well, you know, I, I used to have a piggy bank and my parents kept it. And I thought I knew how much money it had. But you know you know how I really knew? Because I had to go open it and find out how much money my parents had taken out of the piggy bank. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to know you got $55 somewhere stashed in your parents' uh, bedroom or, or, or in the library. It's a wonderful thing to know. Some of us adults to know to think, "Yeah, I got so much money. I got seven thousand dollars in the bank down the street." But you know what's better than that is actually going and seeing, going and saying, "Lay out the hundreds before me." And so salvation, salvation is a wonderful thing. But you know what's better than salvation is to know it. To say, you know what, it's to see it. And so when I got saved, all these years later, I, I, I've been saved for for 23 years. And every time I get a little nervous, every time I say, you know, did I believe enough that night? Did I did I pray long enough that night? Did I was it at the right time, David? Did, did we sing the right hymn that night? Every time I say that, you know what I do? I, I it's like going to the bank and I open the vault. And I go right to the verse I got saved at. And we're going to talk about that verse on Friday night this week. And you know what? I can look at it all right there and say, it's true. I'm saved because it says it. Not because of how I feel. Not because of what I said. Not because of what I thought. Not because of what I did. Not because of what I saw. But because God says it. It's like going to the back. It's like seeing the money laid out before you. You don't have to doubt it. You can know it. And so the Bible says, who has believed our report? I just want to speak on three things tonight about this report. And we've read them just before that. And if you look at those verses, I'm just going to comment on them shortly, verses 13, 14, and 15 of the previous chapter, because that's the report. And there's three things that are very hard to believe. And I want to talk about them in three ways. Nothing to see, nothing to say, and nothing to fear. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to see, nothing to say, and nothing to fear. Those are the three things tonight. If you could remember those, you might be able to answer this question. Who has believed? And who has seen the strength of God? Who has believed this? Nothing to see. You know, the Bible says here, it's actually a very sad verse. It says this: nothing to see. It says that, that that the Lord Jesus that day at Calvary, you wouldn't even have recognized him. You ever you ever see someone when they're young, and then years later, you 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 see them in a supermarket, and and oh wow, you know you. Or maybe the, you're everyone's going to go on summer vacation for school, and in September you see a kid changes his hair, changes something, and you say, you don't even recognize him. You know, the Bible here says, the Lord Jesus, that you couldn't recognize him. You know, no one in this room knows what the Lord Jesus looks like. You say, I know what he looks like. I've seen him in a painting. No, that painter didn't know what he looks like. You know, no one knows what the Lord Jesus looks like. There's not a picture of him. There's not a painting that was left behind from when he was alive. No one knows what he looks like. But more than that, That day at Calvary, it says that if you knew him and you saw him there, you wouldn't even know it was him. He was unrecognizable. Why? Why was it that when people used their eyes, they couldn't recognize him? You know why? Because of sin. Because of sin. Sin makes a lot of things unrecognizable. Sin makes this world, you know, this world used to be such a beautiful, vibrant place, and sin has almost made it unrecognizable. You know, so many things in life were were so good. We all knew what what happiness looked like. We all knew what what joy looked like. We all knew what. Sometimes I say we all used to know what the stars looked like, but we not anymore. You can't see them, right? There's too much too much in the, too much light coming off of the earth. Maybe I don't know if that's sin or not. But you say all these things that we can't recognize anymore because of sin. But the worst thing that sin did was it made my Savior unrecognizable. That day at Calvary, you say, oh, if we can't see him. You know what more people I think have difficulty with? Is they can say, I can't see my sin. I can't see it. When you think of this Lord Jesus who was, you couldn't see him. You couldn't tell who he was. Some people say, I just want to see him. But you know what? When I look at the cross, I might not recognize the Lord Jesus, but I can see what my sin did. I can see how bad my sins were because they caused him to be unrecognizable. This first thing, you say, who has believed this? Nothing to see. You can't recognize who he is, but you know what? You can see what your sin did to You can see that. And you can see what your sin has done to you. Just think about it. Sometimes I know people say, oh, I want to see where... Where it is. If I were to get an x-ray, would I be able to see what my sin has done? No. You don't need an x-ray to see what your sin has done. You know what? Sometimes you can just see it come out of your mouth. The words that you say. Sometimes you can see it in the ways that you hate things. And sometimes you can see it as it just comes out in the emotion of the day. You know, there's not a day on earth that you live where you don't see what sin has done to you. And you have people say, I can't see it. I can't see it. But this man... The writer Isaiah, he says, Who has believed this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that sin is terrible uh, It makes things unrecognizable It, it, it make our Lord Jesus Christ unrecognizable? You couldn't tell who he was. You know, on Memorial Day in the, middle of the Park, there was a man who came to speak to the town, and he was he used to fly planes for the Air Force. And he said he used to have to bring soldiers who had died home. And you know. He said, it was so sad to see the family come and to take the remains of the soldiers that he had flown home from over in Afghanistan and Iraq. You know what's worse than that? When there's no one to recognize. You say, they can't bring anybody back. There's no one. You can't see anyone. That's really hard. I had to go to a funeral, and the person wasn't even there. There was no person. You say, oh, there's no one to recognize. Well, the Bible says here, there might not be someone to see. You might not recognize the Lord Jesus, but you can see what your sin did to Him. You can see why He was there. It was because of my sin. Not only that, but it says here, nothing to say. Nothing to say. I think I'm a good listener. I don't know, some of the kids here, you think you're a good listener? Anybody says yes, don't listen to them. <laughs> I always feel like people want to say the last thing. You always know, you know, I I meet so many people now and it's you know, even I we mean, ever listen on the radio to people talk on the radio, you know what they do? They they press mute on the person and then they say the last thing. Because saying the last thing shows that you have a lot of power. And you get to say the last word, and and some people they they nod their head when you're talking, but they just want to say something. They just wanna they wanna get their words. You ever have your parents? They they're telling you what you did wrong, and no, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? And you're waiting because you just want to, but, but, you just want to say something. You just want to go, no, 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 no. No, you don't. You're just waiting to say something to them because you know that what you have to say is going to make everything right. You know. You know what's so hard to believe? That the writer says here, who has believed this? He says, you know what? Kings. Kings are going to be silent. Kings are the only people, they're the the last word, they're the the highest people on earth, and and their voices, everyone has to listen, but he says there's there's a day where kings are going to be quiet, and actually the Bible says this in Romans 3, such a wonderful verse, it says that, that every mouth might be quiet, might be shut, so that all the world becomes guilty. You say, I don't want to be. I don't want to be guilty. Well, every mouth might be shut so that all the world... Why would all the world want to be guilty? Because if you're not guilty, you can't be saved. If, if, if If you have done no wrong, then you can't get saved. Christ Jesus didn't come into the world to save good people. He came to save guilty sinners. And so it's a wonderful truth that mouths will be stopped So it doesn't matter what I say. We've already thought there's nothing to see except for my sins, which I can't see. And there's nothing to say. You know why there's nothing to say? Because I think sometimes, especially the night I got saved, I was wondering about saying the right words. I remember there was a man and he he was preaching every night that week and I went and I sat down with him. And you know what he would say to me, he'd go, David, he said, uh, do you believe this verse? And I would say, yeah, I do. And I was waiting to say something, and for him to go, that's it, you're saved. And you know what happened? He kept asking me questions. I kept saying things. I tried to say them differently. I tried to say them nice. I tried to say them with more words. I tried to say them with less words. And you know what? He never said to me, that's it,
1: you're saved. He never said it.
0: All the things I said that, you know why? Because salvation is not what you say. Salvation is not a saying. Salvation is a person, Jesus Christ. Salvation is who you have. You know, it doesn't matter what you say. You say, oh, i I got to gotta say the right thing and I'll be saved. No, no, no. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God says. And so God has said something here about His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who died for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The verse is right there on the wall. You say, this truth that God has said, it doesn't matter what I'm going to say. It matters what He says. Because you know what? The night I got saved, I don't remember what I said. But I remember what God says. Because you know what? You're not going to remember what I say. Maybe even next week. But, But God's word... It says it will last forever. So you can believe what he says. Nothing to see, nothing to say, and nothing to be afraid of. Why nothing to be afraid of? You know, Because the verse that we read tonight says that he's going to be exalted. He's going to be made very high, the Lord Jesus. You say, what does that mean, David? Well, the Lord Jesus was made very low when they laid him in a grave. He spent six hours on the cross, dying for something we can't see, our sins. He said words on the cross that tell us it's finished. And they laid him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And you know what the Bible tells us? He's gone back to heaven. He's been made very high. You know what's great about that? Nothing to be afraid of. You ever think of people that you're afraid of at school, uh, things that you're afraid of, you know. I, you grow up and you're only afraid of what's under your bed, and then actually, as you get older, that fear goes away. But then you're actually a fear afraid of what's outside your door, and then you get a little older, and then that fear goes away. And you know, you, there's always something else to be afraid of. It seems all of life is just who am I going to be afraid of, and, and what is going to make. But you know what? There's always one thing that no matter how old you get. And no matter how strong you get, and no matter how popular you are, and, and no matter how many friends you have, there's always one thing to be afraid of, and that is actually a place that I've visited more times this year than I have in any other year, and that's been a cemetery. One thing to be very afraid of. And every time we go to the cemetery, it's always similar. You drive in, and it's very sad. You go into these places, and no matter how nice they look, it's always you're reminded of that one thing you're so afraid of. What happens when you can't say anything anymore? What happens when you can't see anything anymore? What happens when you can't do anything anymore? What's going to happen then? The Bible says the only solution... The only reason to not be afraid of that is because of this man who they put in a tomb and rose again. It means I don't have to be afraid of death because this man's my savior. I don't don't need anybody else. This is the one man who, if you you imagine it, that death takes its hands and it it gets everyone and holds them down. Death could not hold this man down. And he rose again, and he's the man that I believe in. So the verse says, who has believed this? Who has believed that there's something we can't see, sin, that made my Savior unrecognizable? Who believes that there's nothing to say, but there's someone to believe? And who believes that there's someone who has defeated The one thing that we are all afraid of, and that is death. Who has believed that? Who has believed it? Sometimes you you ask an audience, and and I've been in meetings where you say, Who has believed this? And people are wondering. They're just, I don't know if I believed it enough, David. I don't know if I I believed it the right way. And I don't know if I believed it the wrong way. It's just they get so frustrated with wondering whether or not they have really believed this. That this report, who has believed our report? It's like the gospel message. Because you know, when this verse is used in your New Testament, one time it's used in John chapter 12, and it says, They saw so many miracles. And yet, John, he says, It's just like Isaiah said, They saw all the miracles, but who's believed? Who's believed? And then it's used in Romans 10, it said, They've heard so many words. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They've heard the gospel message so many times. But then Paul says in Romans, but he says, who's really believed this? Who's really believed this? You know, everybody in this room tonight is believing something in the Bible. Guaranteed. Everybody here. From Danny, all the way to back to Tazi, from Jim, all the way to Aksa, Everybody here is believing something in this Bible. You think about it. You're going to believe something. You know, I meet a lot of people, and they say to me, they say, I I believe I'm a sinner. And I say, do you believe that if you died in your sins that you would be in a place called hell? They say, yeah, I believe that. Why? Why? Why do you believe that? People say, no, Dave, if if something happened to me, and and my sins weren't forgiven, and and something happened to me and I died, I I wouldn't be in heaven. I say, why why in the world would you believe that? Who told you that? Who who told you that? Did your dad tell you that? Did your your grandma tell you that? The teacher? Sunday school teacher? who, Who told you that? Why would you ever believe that? You say, God told me that. I think our youngest person here tonight knew the answer. The Bible told me that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You say, yeah, of course, it's in the Bible. The Lord Jesus says if you die in your sins, where I am, you can't come. If you believe that, then just believe the good side. You're believing the bad news. Believe the good news tonight. If you're believing the bad news, the bad news says if you die in your sins, you won't be in heaven. Then I just say to this you turn to the other side of the page and you believe the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You believe the good news that says Christ died for our sins, according to the Bible. You just believe the good news tonight that says Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. If you're going to believe the bad, you can do that. But you know what? You can believe the good. In fact, I would say to you tonight, the gospel message has no bad news in it. The gospel message, this report, who has believed our report? Who has believed that God is strong and that he shows it? There is no bad news in it. You say, yes, there is, it tells me that I'm a sinner. That is the most wonderful news I've ever heard, because if he didn't come to save sinners, there's no reason being here tonight. That is such good news, because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be a good person. You say, there's bad news in the Gospel. It it says there that that we have to change our minds and repent or we're going to perish. That's great news because you know what? If you saw what was in my mind, you'd want to change it too. The Bible gives us a message that is all good news. It tells me I can't do anything. I can't say anything. I can't pray anything. I can't give anything. But it also tells me that God gave everything. And not only that, he told me about it. And he says, you come to the bank and you open the account and you count the hundreds, one after the other, and you realize this, that we were redeemed, we were purchased with a price tag that none of us could pay, but God did. And so Isaiah says, who's believed this? You could believe this, tonight. You could believe this tonight. and You say, ah, I just... I don't know. I, I, I could never be sure. Forget about it. It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't depend on you. But if you believe that God is 100% sure, you could be saved. Because it doesn't matter how much you believe. It matters who you believe. And so the Bible tonight tells us who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed. You know, the Bible says he created the stars with his fingers in the Psalms. It says when he had to take a whole nation out of Egypt, he just used his hand. But thank God when I come to save your soul, it said he used his arm. You're an important person tonight. And Christ has died in order to save you. And when you go home tonight, don't you ever go home and say, I don't know, I could never be sure. That is absolute false. I was gonna say garbage, but I'm not sure if you can use that. That is absolute garbage. Because you can be absolutely sure tonight of salvation because it's not in your words, it's not in what you see, and it's not in what you have fear of. It is based on this word, what God has said, it's based on His Son who has done everything for your salvation. You could believe that and you could be saved. We'll just close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we give thanks once again for your Son. We're thankful for all that he has done, and that he's done everything well. We give thanks too tonight that salvation has never